0: Welcome, everyone, to another Average Sean podcast. Chris, it was, I would say, how was your weekend? But I know, especially with our picks, it it was rough, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I had a great weekend. Got to go upstate New York first time, had beautiful fall weather, got to hang with my girlfriend for a while. Then I got back and I looked at my spreadsheet and I was like, (laughs) oh, man.
0: Yeah, I purposely tried to not text you too much after that because you were so close to breaking even, and it, it went pretty south for both of us this past week. You were down about five and a half units. I was down just a, a, a hair over two units. So, I was joking around with Dukes last week that eventually my hot streak had to cool off at some point. I was uh, was kind of hoping that it wouldn't cool off that much for both of us. In all honesty, but. This is why we try to recover. Um, I will you did also better say than I did. <laughs> eh, yeah, I mean, it's not not great by the standard I had set, but, you know, fair enough. Uh, we'll also say weird week for us picks wise and also weird week in terms of games in the NFL. I mean, Buffalo lost six to nine to Jacksonville, which begs the question off the bat. Does Buffalo just not care to ever run the ball because they are relying so heavily on Josh Allen?
1: yeah I honestly I don't know why this doesn't get talked about more and I don't know how Buffalo isn't worried about him getting hurt. You hear all the Lamar rhetoric obviously Lamar's smaller he's a, you know smaller frame build as a human but you can't be running like that as a quarterback and expect to, to stay healthy the whole time. and I would even argue that Josh Allen is way worse at going into hits than Lamar is.
0: Yeah, I mean, Lamar also, the the thing to be said for guys of slighter build is that he's a little bit shiftier. So, you know, he can, even if he still takes a hit, he kind of has the ability to almost soak up the hit by kind of like sliding away from it some instead of taking the full force of it. Where Josh Allen, to both his credit and discredit, he's got the body type where he can just lay into you and he's got the confidence to know that he can just lay into you. The problem is for now he's young and he can recover from those, but that's gonna add up pretty quick. It's gonna add up,
1: and honestly, like they don't even really use a running back, he's their leading
0: rusher. Yeah, no, that it's so Buffalo is my preseason Super Bowl prediction, and I'm gonna stick with it because I mean who else out of the AFC other than maybe Tennessee right now looks like a real title contender, but I'm concerned. Like I am legitimately concerned. So I don't understand that. Uh, i'm all, I also don't understand what happened to Cincinnati in the last couple of weeks because they came to Baltimore, pumped the Ravens, and the last couple of weeks have just dropped absolute duds. They, they look young, like the Cincinnati team. of old.
1: yeah, young team though. I mean, you I, I think that if anything I think the the max of where they could have been this year was a fringe. and I'm not saying that the, that they're that this is out of the possibilities that
0: either. They're a fringe playoff team. So, right? I mean, I I know that they're in the same division as Baltimore. I know that you're a Baltimore fan, so bear with me while I say this. But I want Cincinnati to be good because it would just be refreshing to have a newer team. I know they had the Andy Dalton eras, but never really felt like they were that good. Despite that, it almost felt like they just kind of got in because Pittsburgh and Baltimore were not as good as they normally are not so much a product of Cincinnati being Cincinnati. So I would love to them for them to be like legitimately good and break in. Uh, I can say the same thing about Cleveland too. I mean, of course, you know, for the sake of being your friend and also having several other friends who are Ravens fans, I will always root for the Ravens when it comes down to those teams matching up against them, but it would just be refreshing to see those franchises be good for once.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I I definitely agree with that. I would rather see Cleveland be good. Um, I I'm gonna say this, and then I instantly just get flashbacks of, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name, Oklahoma State quarterback back up to Roethlisberger, um, Mason oh Rudolph, gosh. Mason Rudolph just getting smashed with a helmet. But, um, I, Cincinnati has historically been an extremely dirty team, and. Uh, You know, I I like to think I hold that against them. Obviously, that was more so the Marvin Lewis era as as opposed to now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would love to see the Ravens and Browns come out of our division. Um, Steelers, I have mixed feelings on. I mean, the
0: the Steelers can lose no matter what to me. They can just lose.
1: I, I, I do not like the Steelers. I'm prefacing that right now. But after last night's game against the Bears, which. Uh, Do we want to even talk about the the poor officiating? Uh, Poor is being generous, sir. I was, well, first off, for the Steelers to have that many calls in their favor, significant calls, even in the second half, and there was still a chance that the Bears could have hit a game-winning field goal. Granted, it was short. It was a 65-yarder. The Steelers are all like, woohoo, you know, pounding their chest, but that was not a good win for them.
0: (laughs) No, it it wasn't. And the strange thing is they have the lowest, one of the lowest scoring offenses in the entire league, and they're still winning games.
1: I mean, they have a solid defense when healthy. I mean, TJ Watt's a beast. Yeah. Patrick is a beast. I mean, they they have pieces, that is for sure. Honestly, my biggest question mark for them, uh, well, excluding injuries, is one Roethlisberger, His arm is shot. There was a, a play in that fourth quarter last night where he went to throw the ball, and you could tell his hand was just numb. Like just absolutely shot. Ball slipped out of his hand. Um, and so that, and then they have a very young offensive line. You can't really do anything about that. They're taking the right steps to uh, you know, redevelop that after they, you know, they had like the best offensive line in football for a handful of years there. Um but yeah, if they if they just had a competent quarterback, they would be pretty dangerous. Because receivers wise, and uh, Fairmuth, this tight end's like taking off, man.
0: Friermuth, <laughs> Friermuth, whatever his name is, dude's a, dude's a beast. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's out of Penn State. Um, he's he's good. He's I, I saw somebody joke about this earlier, but I kind of believe it uh, that all Pittsburgh tight ends should be required to change legally change their name to Heath because yeah. of Heath Miller and. Watching him play, he kind of reminds me of Heath Miller.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that.
0: Yes. So Um, I could see that. Um, I understand your hesitation to say, you know, I don't know how I feel about the Steelers. I know how I feel about them, and that's, I'm okay if they lose. Well, I'm okay (laughs) with everything except for Mike Tomlin losing because Mike Tomlin is fantastic, but at the same time, if they're losing, that means we also get more Mike Tomlin at the podium sound bites, and those are equally as fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, and everyone's like, well, if, if Tomlin, if they miss the playoffs and Tomlin's gone, the Steelers don't fire coaches like that. You oh, know, no. Anyone who knows anything about football knows that the Steelers are in this for the long haul with him, as if they haven't already. But um, you, you have to basically retire from that
0: position. I don't even think it's basically. I think they have to because I'm pretty sure that Cowher got the job because Noel retired and Tomlin got the job because Cowher retired.
1: Well, the only wrinkle into that is that Tomlin was significantly younger when he took that job. So unless he's going to be coaching until he's like – I I don't know. Unless he plans on coaching that team for like another 10, 15 years – I Don't know. We'll we'll see well, what happens. I
0: mean, hey, we we heard his response to the quote unquote rumors about him possibly being interested in USC. He seems to oh, be
1: very committed Pitt.
0: to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so 100%. I don't I don't think it's a matter of if he plans to coach for another 10 to 15. I think it's if Pittsburgh plans to have him coach for another 10 to 15, because coaches can usually be a little bit wishy-washy with their responses. That was if there's any version of a shut them down for a rumor and going around in the media, that was a shut them down. Cause there, there was no if ands or buts about it. Totally. Yeah. So now on the other side of football, we have tonight, as we're recording this Tuesday, the 9th of November, we have the kickoff of college basketball. Anyone who's watching this on YouTube is watching my eyes dart to the right occasionally. And that's because I have two games going on in the background. Which game, Sean? I have Maryland playing Quinnipiac, which is not the sexiest matchup right now because Kansas and uh, Michigan State are playing each other. But I'm a Maryland fan. And the other game that I have is Towson against UAlbany, our alma mater. Maryland is looking pretty solid. They're up by 21. Um, I will say this before I go any further about Maryland basketball. I am notably uh, pessimistic when it comes to this team. But for the people who I have been giving some grief to online, notably, if you listen to uh, the last podcast, I mentioned JDM from Barstool. Uh, We have kind of gone back and forth. He has decided he no longer has time for me because he wants to enjoy the season. (laughs) I don't understand why he's okay with accepting mediocrity uh, for a program that I think should aspire to be at the top of the nation every year, but that's neither here nor there watching this game. They look good. You know, it's, it's, Early season Maryland. Uh, there was one confusing moment where the very first play of the second half, Maryland gets the ball down in the post and scores, and their head coach immediately calls a timeout. So I still have some questions about that because now granted, I can't know the answer as to why he did that unless I'm in the huddle. But just watching it from the outside, I was like, "Wait, we scored, and you called a timeout? Why?" It yeah,
1: Happen often. <laughs>
0: No, I don't think that really happens ever. Yeah. So I was confused by that. Now, on the other side of things, I am watching a very pro UAlbany broadcast of the Towson-UAlbany game, namely because the, the conference that Towson plays in, they are behind a paywall, of which I don't feel like paying for. The America East, the conference that UAlbany plays in, strangely enough, they don't. I don't know if there is an America East for the football, but they play in the same conference as Towson for football. So odd that they're in a separate conference now and in a separate conference for lacrosse, but they're playing now. They're like the America East conference has a deal with ESPN. So the broadcasters are talking more about you all, Benita Towson. It's gutting me as a Towson fan. Uh, hopefully we can get a guest on sometime. I have some feelers out for some people who would know better as to why it's structured that way. Maybe it is just the contracts. I don't know but it is kind of gutting me that while I was listening to it before we got on here, that there was almost like no talk about Towson as a team. It was all great Danes. Yeah. I mean, I, I,
1: I'm going to preface all this college basketball with this. I'm a casual college basketball fan. However, Sean, you have uh, sparked my interest. I'm going to try to follow a little bit more this year. All right. (laughs) I will say though, I love going to Towson games. Always have um, probably always will um they did not have a good year last year i would like to relate that back to covid um but i will say uh when they're good it's pretty exciting a few years back they had and i'm blanking on the exact year they had a very solid year
0: the Jarrell Beneman year yeah and we almost made the ncaa tournament yeah that would have been sick
1: i'm pretty sure they lost like second or third round of the caa tournament right
0: yeah i believe they lost to either northeastern or hofstra
1: yeah, I mean that would be awesome to see them do well. I mean, we we unfortunately did not really get to see well, we didn't get any NCAA berths while we were there. That would have been unreal though.
0: Oh, that would have been crazy fun. I I would have absolutely gone into debt just to buy a ticket to that game, just to go check it out.
1: I yeah. I I'm and I'm pretty sure our freshman year, or maybe it was the year before our freshman year. They had they were like a one win team, and then, then they have like one of the best turnarounds. Our Pat freshman Sherry turning around.
0: Our freshman year, they were terrible. The year after, I believe, because I did the five year plan at Towson, they set the uh, NCAA record for wins or losses to wins turnaround in a season, which sounds really cool until you realize you're setting a record because you were so terrible the season before. That your team was just like, "Yeah no, there's no way we can be that bad again,
1: you know you gotta relish the improvement while you can, but happy, happy that basketball's back. I'm assuming normal fans in the stands I have not
0: seen anything yet, so yeah, I'm, looks like there was fans in the stands. I was uh down to college park at their exhibition game the other night. Uh, I mean you gotta wear a mask inside, but you know other than that nothing nothing out of the ordinary
1: nice, yeah. Nice.
0: so. Uh, so that's kicking off we do have you know other big matchups going on we've got Michigan State going against Kansas State right now uh last I saw Kansas was winning that one uh, by seven at the half uh second half obviously going to be well underway by now since we're recording this at about eight or 850 nine o'clock ish so I'll try to pull up the score while we're talking about this but afterwards we have, Uh, Kentucky, which is going to look to bounce back from an NIT year, which if you are a fan of the Wildcats, you know, is both an abnormality and something that their fans absolutely do not accept. Take hints, Maryland fans, set your your standards high. Uh, And then we also have the ever egotistical Mike Shesky, who I grew up hating, who I'm so glad is retiring on the side of Duke, starting his first game of his last season. Uh, real quick, Kansas is up 73 to 59. So this is going to be a bit of a drubbing by the standards of these programs. Uh, but yeah, so I know, like you said, you're a casual basketball fan, but how do you feel about a coach basically getting a farewell tour throughout the entire season when you know that he's going to you know, get his flowers everywhere that he goes, whether he deserves it or not, in the eyes of many?
1: Oh well, okay. So, correct me if I'm wrong, and I probably am, just knowing what I know about college basketball. Shashevsk, uh, Coach K is, you know, legendary, right? He 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 deserves those flowers. Now, I will preface this by saying I know, like, I don't like Duke, and I'm not a diehard basketball fan, but I have one of my fondest memories of being a kid, like in the elementary school era. First, obviously, the Ravens winning the, fir- the first Super Bowl. But second, the year that the Terps won NCAA tournament. and no two. Yeah, it was the semifinals against Duke. I know they beat Indiana in the final.
0: No, right? so actually Indiana beat Duke to get to the final, which some of the Maryland guys will say that they were kind of upset about because they wanted to face Duke in the final. It was the final four the year prior in which they lost to Duke. That set them up for O2 because like all of their guys who were seniors in O2 were juniors the year prior. So they were looking at it as, as like their last ride. Uh, the only person who was still a junior was Steve Blake who played, Legend. I believe. Yeah. Who played a year after and strangely enough had the longest NBA career out of any of those guys, but no, uh, they, they lost the year prior and Indiana uh, somehow skated by them in, I believe the final four to make it to the championship game. But, The uh, that year in particular, I believe the uh, the NCAA committee definitely knew what they were doing because they put Duke and Maryland on opposite sides of the bracket. So that way they could end up in the uh, championship after how good the final four game was the year prior. Yeah, I mean, crazy. I see right off the bat. told you I was wrong,
1: but (laughs) I vividly remember that. And uh, I I remember uh, neither my parents are basketball fans, but that game was on that Maryland Duke game, the final four game. And I just remember being a kid did not really grow up around basketball. And just knowing that like, there's something big about this game. I don't know what, but there's something big about it. So
0: um, would love to see them do well again.
1: So, so doesn't coach K deserve this, this farewell tour or.
0: So here's the thing as a Maryland fan who grew up in the era of Maryland and the ACC, I will never admit that coach K deserves his flowers because I grew up in the era of particular Duke hate. So uh, for me, I just, I hear coach K and I immediately roll my eyes, but there's also a story that is before our time. Cause I believe we were born. We just weren't really cognizant of the world around us, but there was a year where coach K knew that his team was bad. He saw them in off season workouts. He saw that they were together. Worst team he'd had in a while. And honestly, probably the worst team that he's had to date because most of his teams after have been pretty dang good, but I think it was like after a game or two in the season, he all of a sudden comes down with these mysterious back ailments that lands him in the hospital for the entire season. No way of knowing whether he was actually in the hospital or not. I get the feeling those around Durham would probably be pretty hush-hush about that for their favorite coach. So not being in the social media era, it's kind of hard to go back and say we have anything super definitive on that just because I'm going back and looking at old reports. But... He was in there for the whole season. He is still the head coach of the team. He didn't retire. He didn't resign and come back. Nothing. But he coaches for a few games, goes in the hospital, and the team, I think, ends up like 4-26 and on the season. Just absolutely atrocious. Well, then he and Duke petitioned the NCAA to get all of the games, including the ones that he coached, Stricken from his coaching record and put onto his assistant coach, who took over for the remainder of the season, which to me is one both super arrogant, super conceited, and probably the biggest reason why I will never, ever, ever consider him to be the best ever because I'm petty like that.
1: Well, it was one year, but yeah, no, I would agree. That sounds just like being a sore loser and trying to tap out without tapping out. <laughs>
0: There's also some other things that I just really don't like about him. Like, you'll see him, like, in handshake lines. If he doesn't like something that another team's player does, he'll stand there and, like, coach the other player in the handshake line about, like, hey, you know, like, you shouldn't do that. You're better than that. Leave it up to the other team's coach. Like, who are you to, you know, go up to a kid who didn't come to your school, who's not on your roster, and you're now going to sit there and be like, these kids should take everything that I say so seriously – that even though I'm the opposing coach, they should listen to what I say.
1: So Roy Williams over Coach K? Uh, I know that's two ACC uh, foes, you know, Maryland's Big Ten now, but...
0: I hate to say this, but I'm going to say no. Because, one, Coach K was in the ACC for longer. Uh, Williams came over, let's say, about mid-2000s after the Brad Doherty years where they were terrible. But he came over. He wasn't there as long. Uh, He did win a couple of titles, but K does have the longevity. And also Williams had many more what they would consider like down years by their standards, where Dukes was, they weren't really down years. They would just get like upset in the NCAA tournament, which would kind of put a stink on their season. But I, I would have to say Coach K over Roy Williams, even though it pains me to give K credit for anything. Mm.
1: Gotcha. All right, so teams to look out for this year?
0: Oh, um, I'm going to go ahead and kind of give some of the obvious. Uh, I think that Baylor is going to be good, even though they lost a ton of people. Uh, I think Gonzaga is going to stay at the top all year. Well, actually, no, no, let me retract that. Gonzaga is not going to be the number one team all year because they have a brutal early season schedule. So they are going to go through some struggles at the beginning because they're going to play some tough teams. And at least one of them is going to trip them up. So they're going to be bounced from the number one spot for at least a few weeks because of that. But their conference schedule is so soft that, you know, if other top teams are losing, they'll just kind of get back up there by default. Uh, a lot of people are looking for Texas to do well this year. I think they're going to struggle early because they have a ton of transfers. But I do think by the end of the season, they'll be really good. Uh, but the team that I'm actually most interested in seeing how they turn out is Oregon. Their head coach, Dana Altman, is absolutely a stud as a coach. He, does, he never gets as much credit as he should because, one, he's coaching at a notably football school. It's, it's Oregon. Uh, two, West Coast three it just he, he doesn't have the flashiest of players so you know when when they're playing and everything's going well they don't get as much publicity just because by nature of you know where they're at and their style of play but if i remember correctly i think it's like dylan brooks who's now in the memphis grizzlies who played for them it was a monster but he got no love pub, um on the national level because of where he's located so they're predicted second in the Pac-12. Personally, I think that people who are predicting these things should be a little bit more hesitant on UCLA, who is predicted to be first in the conference, because they did have a Cinderella run to the Final Four last year. They are bringing back most of their players. But it's one of those situations where I look then and go, well, they, they did also have to win the play-in game which means throughout the regular season, they only earned a spot in the play-in game. So I think Mick Cronin, who's their head coach, is doing a good job out there. It's a bit of an odd fit because he's got that, like, Midwestern feel to him, but he's out in L.A. But he's doing a good job. I think UCLA will be good. They're just right now a, a top-five team, and I don't think they'll be there by the end of the season.
1: Thorough analysis, sir.
0: <laughs> I um,
1: Okay, So so... And you know, trying to take baby steps with this. One of the things that always like deterred me from being like a you know following every single game um, is one because the season is fairly long, which is a, pros and cons to that. Which uh, you know we don't need to really dive into, but the ebbs and flows of of the top twenty five, right? It is its teams go up and down, and so even to hear you say Gonzaga will probably be number one for majority of the season to me is like, wow, that seems like a really bold prediction. I mean, on, on like the boldness scale, what would you say? Is that is that like a fair statement to say, or is that just a really dumb question for me to ask?
0: <laughs> so I'm not going to lie. I uh, was looking at my Twitter uh, because I, post, or I put a poll up there and I was actually distracted by a question I asked. So run that question by me again.
1: So, uh, you know, college basketball season is fairly long, right? Yeah and uh which is pros and cons um do you think that it's bold of you to say that there's going to be like Gonzaga is going to be number one majority of the year like i as to, as to someone who's f- casually followed it you know I, I try to follow march madness try to watch you know more so of the conference games once those kick in um but i mean is that that seems really bold to me but i could just be kind of an outsider still
0: it, as an outsider, it would seem that way because also unlike you know, most leagues, there's so many teams throughout the country uh, with smaller rosters. You would assume that also means more of a disbursement of talent across the country as opposed to college football, where it seems to be a little bit more you know condensed on the team because the rosters are bigger. But Gonzaga being number one through the majority of the season has more to do with the fact that they play in, I believe it's the West Coast Conference, which... If you hadn't heard of it, there's a reason for that. Uh, Gonzaga is essentially a power five conference worthy team, but Gonzaga does not have a football team. So for most conferences, it would not make sense to add Gonzaga for basketball only purposes. And truthfully for Gonzaga right now, it wouldn't make a ton of sense to move to a power conference because they literally run their conference. Like they they own it. There is no if and. And, or bots. and
1: uh, what's the other team? St. Mary's, right? They were it's good for
0: like... they were good for a while with Matthew Dellavedova, and even a couple of years after that. But even so, now it's right now the number two team in their conference is BYU. Hmm. So the the problem with thinking that it's bold, I guess not really problem, but like the the easy mistake to make is you know knowing that there is so much parity and kind of assuming that goes across the board, it makes sense in Gonzaga's early season schedule because they are playing so many tough teams. They're playing Texas. They're playing Duke. Um, they're, they've they got some other really good matchups on their on their schedule, and they've kind of done that out of necessity because they've gotten to the tournament in years past, realized they've played a softer schedule, and they've realized, like, hey, you know, we're just not tough enough for, or just not tested enough for this long slate. So now they're really bulking up their early season stuff. So that way, by the time they get the conference plate, they're going to coast. They're going to win basically every game and probably cover the spread easily in every game by like 20, 30 points. But just because they are known as a powerhouse who is capable of making a run to the final four, to the championship game. Pollsters are going to keep them up at the top because they'll know, even though they're in a soft conference, it's kind of like how Clemson was viewed in the ACC for years in college football where the ACC was looked at as a down conference, but because it was Clemson, they kept them at the top because they knew you know, they're just in a bad conference, but they're still a good team this year notwithstanding. Now, for the sake of context, in case anyone's wondering and in case anyone wants to comment on this, on my Twitter, AVGSean Media, I did pose the question, and I'm actually going to ask you this question, Chris, because I think you and I would agree on it. Can you be a real college sports fan if you are a fan of more than one team, one for a major and one from a minor conference? So major being any of the power five, a minor conference, like in our case, we are Towson grads. So we therefore root for Towson being from the CAA.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I would say yes. Like, of course. I mean, there's so, I think what makes it different than pro sports is that there is just such an abundance of teams right? What's the uh, D one level is what? 160 or hundred and it 165 teams or something near that. Right. I think um, it might
0: actually be in the three hundreds, at least for basketball, Well,
1: for basketball it is, but maybe I'm yeah. thinking football, but, um, yeah, football, I
0: mean, football, I think you're right. If we're specifically talking about like D one single a,
1: right? So I, 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 while I think college fans have their loyalties, I would like to think that you, well, you you can root for more than one team. You should be able to, and that's really for any sport. I mean, I, I get it. You have for hockey. I'm right now. I have the Florida Devil, Florida Panthers, uh, New Jersey Devil game on. I'm a Devils fan, but my heart r- remains with the Capitals. Like I root for the Devils, but my heart remains with the Capitals. And if it came down to it, I would take Caps over them any day of the week. Um, so yeah, I mean. I don't really have a, a top tier team for basketball that I would follow. I do try to follow along with Towson basketball. I don't watch every game, but you know, I try, I, I've gone to a handful, even after graduating. Um, they're fun. You know, um, I don't know if that really answers your question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it does. Um, and I think that this is Twitter. I, couldn't really ask you know a question that was super nuanced because it, it's Twitter and you just want people to actually finish reading your question. So I think that there is a caveat to it, and that's if the two schools or teams that you're rooting for get matched up against each other, you have to pick a side. So yes. like you were saying with the Devils and Caps, you would side with the Caps. In this case, if Maryland and Towson were to play each other, I've actually come to the determination, I thought, for a long time that I would pick Maryland over them. But I've come to the realization that my heart's with Towson. You know, if if Towson were to play them, it, granted, some of it's also just because I, w- I would never expect Towson to win. So I think that would be super cool to see. Yeah, But, you know, I, I went to Towson for five years. I have a degree from there. I grew up a Maryland fan. I have a ton of family that went there. But I personally did not go there. So, you know, I feel like... I can still be a Maryland fan because I was raised on that, but I went to Towson. I feel like I have the right to be a Towson fan. So the reason why I was distracted was because the one response I've gotten to it so far said no. And I really wish I could know who said that. So that way I could get their reasoning. Cause I, I just don't understand it. I mean, I guess. The, the...
1: Say for example, you grew up. Hmm, how do I say this? So you grew up a Maryland fan, right? Mm-hmm. If you had gone to UMD, you know, yeah, yeah, you might like Towson or you might have some other teams that you follow. But I would imagine that your heart belongs 100% to UMD. Oh, absolutely. Right? So I think that – I don't know. I mean, this is, this is where sports, you know, it gets – the lines get blurred a lot. I would like to think that – How do I say this? I have more so teams that I dislike. And I just know that I adamantly do not want them to win anything. Over, you know, picking like, well, you know, I kind of like this team or, you know, I somewhat want to see this team do well. I, uh, you can root for more than one team. Well, you should have one primary team that you would take a bullet for. Not literally, but figuratively.
0: (laughs) And that also raises the question, because I know several people who are from what I'll just say is like the Mac territory, uh, who are like raised in Ohio, raised in Michigan, but they went to smaller schools in those states. And they're still Ohio State fans, Michigan State fans, Michigan fans. But of course, they're also fans for their schools. They, They go there. Now, I don't know how much they pay attention to it once they graduate, as opposed to their Michigan or Michigan State fandom, because... Most people online are going to talk about the bigger schools because those are the ones who are more likely to get traction. So I don't know if they feel those same kind of dilemmas as I do. I'm sure that also extends like down south. Like if you're in Georgia and you go to like Georgia Southern, uh, Georgia State, um, I'd say to to a degree, even Georgia Tech, because that's a school that's like so specialized that UGA may just not offer the same sort of opportunity with, with the program that Georgia Tech does that you know, maybe they're still, you know, Georgia fans, but they just love their school. It's a little bit of an iffier topic between Georgia Tech and Georgia because they're in two big conferences, but I could make a case for that too. So, yeah. we, we've covered plenty of college basketball. Uh, this game is coming to a close here. Uh, Kansas is up by 11 with 40 seconds left. They're gonna win this pretty comfortably one thing that is going to happen while we're doing this is that uh in between games they are going to reveal the new college football playoff so when that happens i will probably kind of cut off whatever we're talking about to jump to that because you know just be the most appropriate topic but any any prediction on that georgia number one (laughs) yeah uh wake Forest nowhere
1: (laughs) yeah does bama fall for winning at lsu but um And if so, do you see Oregon jumping to number two?
0: Uh, To answer your question, no, I don't. Because I think that Michigan State losing actually gives the committee all that they need to to keep Alabama where they are. So uh, more than anything, I'm curious to see where Michigan State lands compared to Oklahoma. Because Oklahoma is still undefeated. And their game against Baylor this week, which we'll talk about in a little bit, doesn't look nearly as good of a game after what happened to Baylor last week. So that Michigan state and Oklahoma are actually my two biggest questions right now. Cause Oklahoma, I thought was slotted pretty low for an undefeated big 12 team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I jotted out. I came prepared this time after last week, you kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> if I had to get my, my four right now, Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio state with five and six being Cincinnati and Oklahoma.
0: Now here's the question. Does Ohio state get the three or the four seed? Cause that's actually super important.
1: Right now I have, I have Oregon holding on to that three seed. Okay. That, that's so fair. We'll see within the next few minutes, I guess. So
0: yeah. Uh, now in the meantime, and I'm not trying to purposely give hockey a shorter window to talk about. I just ramble when it came to college basketball. I rambled about college basketball, so give me last week to this week your kind of update on the state of the NHL.
1: Oh, man. Well, Chicago Blackhawks imploded. Florida Panthers, lost show Um Other than that, Caps, man, I mean, if we're, if we're sticking with the Caps, the youth movement has started. We had uh, another rookie uh, play his first game last night. Um, didn't look great. Got a five to three win um, over the Sabers. Not really saying much. Ovi though now fourth, tied for fourth all time goals, uh, tied with Hull. And uh, yeah, I mean other than that, let's see. Uh, Toronto went on a nice little hot streak, rebounded from a bad start. Um, currently, I'm I'm watching this Devils Florida's game, and this giant fight just broke out. Um,
0: I will red- I will say this, not to cut you off, but for the Panthers losing Quenville. In the middle of what is a ridiculous scandal, which we don't need to rehash anything on because let's just keep it light this week. But losing him literally like randomly in the middle of your season, and the fact that there's still only 10 1 and 1 is crazy impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, and so that one loss came last night against the Rangers. Um, and then right now, as we speak, they're losing six to three to the Devils, which is kind of crazy. The Devils, uh, I would have never guessed the pot six against
0: uh, Florida. Isn't their um, their uh, there, there stud, uh, Hughes, isn't he hurt too?
1: Yeah, Hughes uh, dislocated shoulder. Um, Ugh, brutal. So he, he's out. Uh, I would imagine probably another three to four weeks. Um, luckily, no tears. Um, which is good for him. Um, They're also without their top D-man, Dougie Hamilton, and they're still winning. So, I I mean, I will say the the Devils are a very young team. I would not say they play the most exciting brand of hockey. Um, They just called up Alex Holtz, who uh, they're they're deeming, you know, Alex the Great, which we both know is really Ovi, but um, we'll let New Jersey do what New Jersey does. Um, Let's see. Teams to watch out for.
0: Hmm. oh real quick uh instead of teams to watch out for jack eichel going to vegas yeah i know that vegas is not your favorite franchise uh, around but at the same time that saga's is finally over
1: that saga's is finally over i mean i'm gonna be honest i think buffalo kind of sold themselves short and actually there's some drama around it um the night before he got traded which i believe was last wednesday the night before he got traded there was a uh, a leak from the flames uh of a supposed offer that they had um put or sent to buffalo for eichel um, that included notably in matthew to Chuck, who is a young stud that name obviously anyone who follows hockey knows Tuchuk family studs um both very uh both brothers that are in the league right now both very young gritty great leaders every team in the league would want one of them um And, you know, unmovable, basically, yet they were putting him up possibly for Eichel. Well, fast forward 24 hours after that, turns out that it was leaked just to get Vegas to bite um, a little sooner, which, you know, um, I don't want to get in the nitty gritty of that, but it involved the commentator who's friends with the uh, the Vegas GM and some some weird drama there. But uh, yeah, I mean, Eichel, I'm glad he's going to get the surgery that he wants to get. Eichel's a stud. Vegas has a ton of other injuries right now. So we'll see what happens there.
0: Um, I think that Vegas might be punting on the season early in order to build for next year with, with Eichel. Uh,
1: I'm going to be honest. I don't think they can just because of the age of their group. Um, they, they've they suffered a, they're without a handful of their, their like core players. Um, and they just traded one away who was hurt too, Alex Tuck in the trade for Eichel. Um, But I I don't know. I don't really think they can punt on it. They're in a very easy division. So what I think they're doing is uh, hoping that they can coast through into the playoffs and hoping that they have a healthy roster in time for the playoffs. Um, I don't really want to see them do well. I like Jack Eichel. Um, He's a stud, but we also don't know what Jack Eichel we're going to get. He's supposed, so he's having surgery actually either today or tomorrow and um he should be back uh early february so the one thing i will say though kind of disappointed is that because he didn't get the surgery he will not be playing in the olympics for team usa which really sucks um but yeah we'll see i mean he's got he's got he's gonna be He's going to go from not playing hockey for over a year and having this neck surgery to being their number one Center and having to to shoulder a heavy workload so we'll see but Vegas i'm curious to see they're basically selling themselves or. narrowing their window, they have like three years to win something or else they're going to be really bad, they do not have a farm system at all they've traded everybody away so. I'm very curious as to what they're doing there, but I guess it's win or nothing. So they're
0: they're taking the Los Angeles Rams view on things, which is we don't care about the future, we care about right now, and we'll figure the rest out later.
1: Yes, but in a sport like hockey, you can't do that because it takes. It's like (laughs) it's like doing that in baseball. You can't have these kids coming out of you know whether it's juniors or college or over from Europe and throwing them into the pros. That's not how this works with. 95 percent of the players so
0: yeah now i will say this on the ICO front um i i do want ICO back on the ice because as a as you are more of a college uh casual college basketball fan i am more of a casual nhl fan by the majority standards i just find it harder to watch games that don't involve the capitals i'm getting better at it but it's just it, it doesn't hold the same level of interest to me as it does for you uh so that's why by comparison i would call myself a casual fan I want a stud like Jack Eichel on the ice. But as a casual fan, I also want years worth of Jack Eichel as opposed to short-term Jack Eichel. And from what I understand, this experiment is proven on a regular sense, but still kind of experimental when it comes to uh, athletics, because no one, at least in America, uh, has had this surgery done before and come back to play from it. Actually, I just don't think they've had the surgery before. So he's... A, a, I don't want to say trendsetter, but he's a, he's a trailblazer in, in the sense of American sports by getting this done. Yeah. So if he's slated to come back by February, I'm going to be honest, I don't want him back until March or April because Same. I want him to take his time. Honestly, I'm...
1: I, I'm I agree 110 i was assuming that he was just going to be out for
0: the whole year i personally with with what he's getting done which is next surgery i feel like he should be
1: yeah i mean i think they're saying it's like two to three months recovery so here we are early november uh it, he's getting the surgery like i said either today or tomorrow or maybe thursday so it's very soon and then i mean i guess he's he's I don't know.
0: I mean, it's also it's it's two to three months recovery for a surgery that like they, they're talking about in terms of like just normal functionality. We're talking about the NHL, which even more so than the NFL, which people say, you know, oh, you got to keep your head on a swivel in football. You got to keep your head on a swivel in hockey, especially if you're a center. I mean, they, there's so much going on in such a tightly confined space, not to mention the potential, for, or the ever-present potential, for something ridiculous to happen—they're skating on thin metal blades. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I will say this though: he's expensive. He's worth it. He's worth every penny. Um,
0: that, that well, that is the other reason why I'd say I hope he takes his time because yes, he is expensive. But at the same time, you know, he's doing this for the longevity of his life. Totally get that. But also as essentially an employee, you do kind of have a reason to justify your contract. And I feel like you take a little bit more caution with your recovery, slow play it a little bit better, then you're more likely to come back stronger and ready to go. So that way for the length of your contract, you can justify it more than if you come back in the short term, get hurt again. Than Vegas, who, as we have discussed offline, isn't really the cleanest of franchises out there. But regardless of that, they're kind of left sitting there going, well, maybe we pushed him back. Maybe it was him. There's always going to be a little if or but about who played the majority of the role in it and who's who's mostly at fault. But either way, they're sitting there, you know, with their hands in their pockets going. Great. Now we're just out all of this money. For you know, someone that there, there's always going to be the what if if he takes more time, of course. Where, uh, whereas you know, if he does take the time, you're getting, in my opinion, more of a sure thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I'm I, tying all this back in, and you know, uh, so we can get on some college picks here. Uh, Vegas is probably the best spot for him. Uh, one, they are in desperate need of a top line center. Two. The West doesn't necessarily play as physical a game as the, as what we're familiar with over here on the East, especially the Metro, which is the division the Caps are in. Um, I don't want to say that Vegas should be able to kind of cakewalk into the playoffs, but they will, and then even their first round should be a relatively easy in terms of playoff matchups. Uh, obviously, it's the playoff seven-game series. Anything can happen. All it takes is one or two bounces, as we've seen And being Caps fans that, you know, Regular season doesn't really mean anything, but um, we'll we'll see. I mean, yeah, if if I were a Vegas fan, I would just be saying let's 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 wait a little bit. But I also understand their window is now, and um, I don't know the the whole. uh, The the, I I don't want to get into this, but Robin Leonard, their goalie, basically forced out uh, Flurry. To Chicago and le- didn't like him as a penguin but he's, he's a good guy he's he's a good he's a good goalie man he won the Vesna last year and then they they got rid of him they literally cut him yeah And that's that's all because of Robin Lanner and there's some ego there. And I know Lanner's a fan favorite and been a huge advocate of mental health and whatnot. But uh, something rubs me the very wrong way about that. So I don't want to see Vegas do well, but I hope Eichel comes back full force because that would definitely, you know, we we need him in the game. We need the stars on the ice.
0: Yeah. Now let's transition away from that. Let's, like you mentioned, get into some college picks. I am currently watching the top 25 revealed for the college football playoff. Uh, they're currently revealing the top. I'm going to assume seven because they usually leave five and six at the end to see who's just on the outside looking in. Uh, number 10 is Oklahoma state. Number nine is Notre Dame. Number eight. They just pulled up is Oklahoma again. Wow. The, I had them I am,
1: six, right? where do I have, where's my list?
0: Yeah, which actually I think means, because I didn't see Michigan State in the other top 25, I think Michigan State's still in front of them. Wow. Which is, I mean, granted, it'll all get figured out when they play Ohio State, but I am shocked by that. Uh, now, North Carolina Pitt. Pitt, notably, was, I believe, 21st in this newest rating. Uh, at this point of the season, we know who these teams are. It's its almost kind of not worth it unless there's like a major injury to kind of dive into them too much because we're just rehashing old info at this point. It almost feels redundant, but I will say Pitt—they got tripped up. They came back. They looked good. UNC won an absolute shootout. Defense sold separately against Wake Forest. <laughs> uh, Carolina looks like they're rounding into the form. So Carolina going up to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh weather is always a little bit weird, uh, particularly at Heinz Field. Pitt's favored by six and a half, though, which knowing that Carolina can put up points like that, it shocks me. I, I've got UNC frankly winning this outright because I think they're hitting that their their late season stride that kind of seems to be like a Mac Brown staple. So I've got UNC winning over under a set of 74 and a half. I think Kenny Pickett's going to make a late season push to be in the Heisman convo. So much like the UNC Wake Forest game, I think defense comes separately. I'm going to take the over. Who you got?
1: So I'm going the opposite here. I'm going Pitt. Pickett is an absolute stud. Um, and I do think that he's definitely going to make a, a late season push here for the Heisman. Um, Pitt's defense is actually not that bad. Um, and obviously, they have one of the best offenses in the league. Obviously, North Carolina can put up points, but they've also kind of, you know, crapped the bet a few times this year. Um, Going on the road, I off the top of my head, I don't know what the weather is going to be like. You mentioned Heinfield. Um I'm I'm going uh, a little... So I'm going pit here with the under. Um, and I just, I think that they're back on track. I mean, obviously, they lost to Miami a few weeks ago. Um, and I think, you know, I think they realized that, you know, we kind of control our own destiny here in the sense of, you know, can we sneak into one of those, you know, Upper echelon of bowls. Um, so we'll see.
0: Now, do you have pick covering the six and a half point spread? Oh, geez. Um, no, I do not. Okay. I was gonna say I, I'd be surprised if you said that, but you know, I, I can certainly understand your reasoning behind it. Um now I'm gonna take a quick pause from picks because we have the top five revealed. And as expected at number one is Georgia. Uh, To answer your question from earlier, Alabama is still number two. Mm. Oregon is number three. At number four, we have Ohio State. I was right. Yeah. So you're, you're top four right on the money. Number five is Cincinnati. Now, remember, we've got Oklahoma sitting at eight. Michigan State is still unaccounted for. And Michigan is still unaccounted for. And they just revealed it. Michigan is now number six, which means Michigan state's going to be number seven, which means they've got three big 10 teams all with one loss ahead of an undefeated Oklahoma team. Now, granted, Oklahoma has looked rough in spots this season, but three of them when frankly, Michigan hasn't really beaten anyone of note. I am stunned.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm – I'm. so my, my top seven, I wrote out my top seven. Like I said, the top four is perfect. So Georgia, Bama, Oregon, OSU. I had Cincy at five. Where, where's Cincy on
0: – They're at five.
1: Okay, so my top five is right. Six, I had Oklahoma, so that's wrong because you said they're still at eight. And then
0: seven, I had Michigan State. So – You got all but one pick right because Michigan State is number seven on this ranking. That's crazy. I mean, man – So they're giving a lot of credence to this late end Big Ten schedule. And, you know, I'm going to jump down a couple spots on our spreadsheet. Let's just get to the Michigan-Penn State game because this is one of the games that we agree on this week. We both got Michigan winning. And I guess at this point, I'm not even really going to ask too much about what you think is going to happen with the game. Uh, Michigan's a a one-and-a-half point dog. Obviously, they're going to cover if they win. Uh, it The over-under set of 48, I've got it going under, and I'm going to hold my reasoning until you give yours because to like, the reasoning why has more to do with their opponent. But what do you think, I guess, is going to happen? And then do you honestly believe that Michigan deserves to be where they are?
1: Do I believe that they deserve to be where they are? To be determined, I guess I guess right now, oh man, I yes, I think so. we'll see I mean the end of this the end of this big ten season is gonna be nuts uh I so I have Michigan winning this, I have them covering, but I have it going over hmm. really i I um I you know. I think that Penn State's trying to finish the season strong. I think, you know, like him or not, I think Sean Clifford is gonna try to show up and play a good game uh, if he can complete a forward pass. But, you know, looking at, at this matchup, um, I just think that Michigan's an overall better team. Um, am I worried about Harbaugh's record on the road or big, big games in general? Yeah, I mean, I guess you can consider this a big game. If anything, they have a bigger game coming up in a few weeks against Ohio State. Um, I don't know. I just, I, i between the two quarterbacks. I trust, um, Matt McNamara more. And, uh, I think Harbaugh is trusting him more than than Penn state is with Clifford right now. So.
0: I, so my reasoning as to why I think it's going to go under is because to me, Penn state is not a good team. I got to see them in person last week at Maryland. Now, granted road games, are always tricky no matter where you're playing, but they're playing against Maryland, a team that Penn State should and usually, except for last year, beats and beats pretty handily. They struggled mightily with Maryland, mostly just because they couldn't, you know, move the ball. And that's with Maryland for the most part, not really doing a great job of guarding Jahan Dotson, which is Penn State's biggest playmaker. There were so many times where I sat there and I was going, maybe we should consider putting a guy on number five or two because he's just that good. So they struggled, and the scoreboard won't really reflect that because towards the end of the game, Maryland kind of fell apart and Penn State opened it up. But at least through three quarters, it was really close. And at one point, Maryland tied it back up because they scored a touchdown before the end of the first half, missed, missed the extra point. Penn State comes back in the second half, scores. Maryland scores again. Nail the two-point conversion, and it's tied. So it looks like you got another upset in the making. Penn State recently lost to Illinois. They lost to Iowa, which a lot of people will make the argument that if Clifford was still in that game, they'd win that game. Sure, I believe you, but at the same time, Iowa has proven to also not be a very good team. So to me, Penn State's just, they're just not good. Yeah. And I, so I, I really don't know how else to put it
1: it makes you wonder right when the all the usc lsu rumors began swirling about james franklin he changed his agent and you know they just totally tanked yeah so i you know coincidence or not it's you know proofs in the pudding so we'll see what happens
0: yeah i mean i just i i've got michigan state or not michigan state michigan winning that pretty comfortably By Big Ten standards, because, you know, sometimes those games can still just get ugly for the sake of being ugly. But I've got them winning that, and I don't think they're going to sweat it out much. But I think that the argument before this week that you can make about Michigan is that they really haven't beaten anyone. Because I just made that argument a couple minutes ago. (laughs) But at the same time, they haven't beaten anyone. And Penn State's, to me, not going to be beating someone because they're just a name at this point. They're not a team that I think is worthy enough to put on their resume as a we beat this team when Penn State's season is ostensibly over. Yeah. You know, you lose to Iowa. Okay. You might still be able to recover towards the end of the season. I think they're getting a lot of credit for putting up some fight against Ohio state, which fair, but how many times are you really going to do that? Especially when you have looked bad for most of the season And if they really were as good as people are giving them credit for, and in the sense of saying that, like, you know, Michigan beating them could be someone, they would have never had it be close to Illinois, especially since they were playing in Happy Valley. There's no reason for that game to have ever been as close as it was. So I, I just I don't think that that's a real resume builder, and if I had to take a guess, I think that. The committee is doing this because both Michigan and Michigan State play Ohio State. But since they've already played each other and Michigan State won, I think they're kind of giving Michigan State a harder fall with the chance to recover more so than Michigan. I think, kind of like with what they're doing with Cincinnati, they're basically saying to Cincinnati if Ohio State loses to either of these schools, That is your best shot and, frankly, only shot to get in unless Ohio State somehow loses in the Big Ten title game, which could happen because Wisconsin's looking good. Um, But we'll, we'll get to Ohio State some more in a bit. Actually, you know what? No. Let's just jump to Ohio State now. Ohio State and Purdue, because the reason why Michigan State fell is because they lost to Purdue, which... You accurately predicted I was hoping that Michigan State's running game would travel a little bit better and actually help them win that one. But Purdue, which has been kind of the giant killer all season, they seem to be kind of meh every other game of the year, but give them a top three opponent. and All of a sudden they're, you know, David taking down Goliath. So they're traveling to Columbus. They just took down number three, Michigan State, which for them is going to be huge. Do you think that they can get up again and take out the Buckeyes?
1: Uh, I do not. I think the Buckeyes are going to come out on top. And one thing I will say, though, you know, kind of uh, uh putting a cap on what you were just saying about Michigan and Michigan State effect. What's being lost through all this is that the amount of pressure on Ohio State, like to win out, like they have a crazy schedule coming up, and they basically need to win out. That was already the case, but now it's like basically set in stone. How much of this depends on them?
0: Um, does it really though? Because I think if Michigan beats them, there, there, it goes to some super weird tiebreaker. Assuming that all those teams went out, except for Michigan beating Ohio State, because I think Ohio State would be out of the Big Ten championship because they lost in uh, at a conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I was listening to somebody talk about it the other day. It's super confusing how they do it, um, but you would essentially have Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State with identical conference records, all of them having lost to one another in some form or fashion. Well, actually, no, because if Ohio State wins out, except for Michigan, then they would have also beaten Michigan State. So, God, this is so confusing. We we can come back to that.
1: Let's focus on this (laughs) Ohio State-Purdue game. So, I'm I'm taking Ohio State. I mean, I think – Ohio State struggled a little bit last last week against Nebraska, which, by the way, following up on our very first college football talk, Scott Frost is returning. Crazy. Um, I'm
0: actually okay with that decision.
1: So am I. I mean, he he's a Nebraska Cornhusker lover, so let him let him relish out there. Let him do his thing out there. Um, so, you know, a lot of people obviously had Ohio State just totally their season done after that that early loss. Um, but they've just totally like basically ransacked everything that they played since barring this Nebraska team. Um, so I'm taking Ohio State here. Um, Purdue I, plus 20? I, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So, uh Purdue plus 20 and I have the over as well. So I'm kind of copying you.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got the same thing. Um, I think that Purdue will lose just because Ohio State's going to Ohio State them. I think if this game were in West Lafayette, I think they'd have a better chance to pull off the upset, but I think we're asking a bit much of them to do it two weeks in a row. So I think that Ohio State is the beneficiary of Purdue in a letdown spot, much like Purdue was the beneficiary of Michigan State in a natural letdown spot. Um, I do think, though, that Jeff Brom teams always know how to put up points. So Purdue will put up some points. Ohio State will also put up some points. They just do far too much talent across the board. So give me Ohio State. Give me the over. Uh, but give me Purdue to cover just because I think that 20 is, is asking a lot. That is. That's a, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Now I will jump a little bit higher back up our spreadsheet here. We'll get back onto our normal slate of things. The team that came in at number eight that we were kind of pontificating where they would land, Oklahoma traveling to Baylor. This game lost some intrigue, but to me also kind of gained some intrigue by virtue of Baylor losing to TCU last week. Kind of goes to an interesting theory about interim head coaches and how teams kind of get up for them, uh, especially if your name is Jerry Kill. So Oklahoma going to Baylor, Baylor coming off a loss, They still have an outside shot at, you know, maybe playoffs because they're number 12 right now in the rankings. They do have Oklahoma State and Oklahoma in front of them. If they were to take down both teams, say Oklahoma during the regular season, Oklahoma State in a rematch of the Big 12 title, that could give them reasoning for it. They would need a lot of help, but that could give them reasoning for it. So I think that they still have plenty to fight for in this game. And Oklahoma just hasn't looked good on the road. So I'll ask again who you got. So
1: your last statement that uh, Oklahoma has not looked good on the road is correct and i'm going to piggyback off of that and say Oklahoma has not looked good with early games this year. So this is an 11am local time start obviously it's the big noon um, Fox game of the week, Um, but if we remember a few weeks back. They had an 11 a.m. start time against Kansas on the road. And, um, yeah, well, we know how that almost turned out. Almost, <laughs> right, it, it, if only. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious. You know, obviously the Sooners are probably going to be a little ticked that they're ranked, you know, undefeated, but they're ranked eighth in this playoff um, picture right now. And, I mean, granted, they're just coming off of a bye. You know, I think that the the, the Bears have a really good defense – they have a very good run game, and they have um Bohanan, I believe, is, is their quarterback. He's able to stretch the field a fair amount. Um, and the TCU game, you know, I, I don't like to say, you know, it's a coin flip, but there were a lot of inter- um a lot of turnovers, notably uh, interceptions. But um, they've got a stud receiver in Thornton. I'm going Baylor with the upset here, and I know it's off of a buy, but I'm going Baylor with the upset. Um I'm going to take the over because I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this. Um, and I have
0: them covering. Well, by virtue of the upset, you'll have them covering. Yes. So uh, I also have Baylor covering, but I have Oklahoma to eke this win out because the theme of Oklahoma's season has been that they've struggled, but they've managed to pull it out. So for me, I've just got the thought of they're going to look rough in this game especially against a Dave Aranda coach defense who I've mentioned in weeks past, I just associate Dave Aranda with good defense. So it's, it's going to be tough. Um, I think Caleb Williams is making a strangely strong case for the Heisman. If they keep winning. Oh, uh, okay. So hear me out real quick. My case for this is who the hell else are they going to go to? (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. But that's why that's why I say it's strangely strong because normally I'd sit there and be like, nah, he can sit it out. But if they win out the rest of the season, I mean, why not?
1: Yeah, like, what what are you gonna
0: do? Give the Heisman to the entire Georgia defense? I, I mean, don't know. I look, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think it'd be a little bit kind of a cop out, but we'll this, year, this year this week. <laughs> this year, more than any feels like the year where a cop out's a-okay. So I don't know. I just, I think that he's making a strong case for it. He, they'll find a way to win this much like they found a way to come back against Texas, much like they found a way to beat Kansas, even though they really didn't deserve to win that game. They just, they're they're going to win the games that are tight because they kind of like wake up and realize that they can do it, but they just, they're they're that classic team that plays down to the level of their opponent. So, you know, that that's going to be my problem with it is just, you know, will that come and bite them? And I think that this week it doesn't, but I think come Bedlam week, since they're playing at Oklahoma State, I think they get tripped up there. I'll save the rest of that analysis for later, but give give me Oklahoma this week. Uh, I do have Baylor covering the spread. I think it's going to be pretty close. And absolutely taking the over because even though I associate Baylor with good defense, it is still the big 12. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) good, good defense for the big 12. Yeah. So now we'll move over to the ACC where Wake Forest took a tumble this week. They lost to UNC in the defense sold separately game. So (laughs) now here's an interesting little factoid for you. I don't know if you know this, that was actually a non-conference game between North Carolina and Wake Forest. So despite the fact that Wake Forest has a loss to an ACC team on their schedule, they are still undefeated in the ACC and therefore still leading their division, which means NC state needs to win this game if they want to get into the ACC title game. So yeah, that's a thing. How? How? So it's this, it's literally just like the strangest and dumbest scheduling thing that I've ever heard of. Both teams were looking for a non conference opponent to put on their schedule at the same time, and they somehow came to the agreement that they'll just make their game a non conference game. I don't know how they came to that decision, I don't know how it was approved by both the schools and the conference. Because I'd imagine that both teams being in the same conference, you'd have to get it approved by your conference. I just don't know. That's weird.
1: I don't know why they would do that, but I, I mean.
0: I, neither, okay. neither, <laughs> neither do I. I mean, because especially, you know, Carolina, I think, still has an outside shot at getting into the conference title game. Or maybe not, but outside shot. Yeah. So if that game, if you win that game, why would you not want that to benefit you? In the long run, yeah, yeah, it seems seems a little odd. It's it's super strange, but look into it some more if you're interested. It's it's gotta be one of the weirdest scheduling anomalies of all time. But I uh, admittedly have Wake Forest in the bounce back this week. I think they're gonna cover the two and a half point spread because I've seen NC State play, I'm just not sold on them. And the last few weeks have made me, as anyone should be, not sold on Wake Forest's defense but I am sold on their offense. And I feel like they're going to kind of turn this into a classic big 12 game, just East. Mm. And I, I think that Wake Forest is going to win a shootout. And I think that they're going to win probably by a touchdown. Uh, but I think they're still going to hit the under 66 and a half. Now this is two weeks in a row. I'm taking the Wake Forest under, which is a dangerous and probably stupid <laughs> move, but I'm, I'm doing it, baby. So give me the under in this game
1: yeah so i'm i'm going opposite here i'm going nc state i like their defense and i know we're talking about offense and you know hartman and obviously uh you know against unc last week and just really for the whole season has just been balling out um you know offensively i'm not sure i trust wake forest to stop anybody um i after a lot you know they've given up their defense has not been great um and just from from that spread you can tell that they're an evenly matched team or at least Vegas thinks so. So I'm going NC state here. Um, and I'm going to go with the, Oh man, I'm going to, I
0: want to take the o, under as well. See, I mean, it's tricky, right? I I feel weird taking it because I've gotten burned by that, but it just feels like it's appropriate. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. Now, we'll for, <laughs> for our final D1 game, this game, I think, has more of a it, – it's not really the most exciting game on paper because I do think that Georgia is the most dominant team in college basketball right now. I don't think it's particularly close. But Tennessee is hosting Georgia. And to me, Tennessee pulled out the win against Kentucky, which I think is a good sign for Tennessee's program. But – I think that this game is more about can Tennessee cover because if Tennessee can keep it close ish, which the spread is at 20, even if they get a push at at a 20 point spread, I think that's a really good sign for them because Georgia has got what kind of amounts to an all-time defense. So if Tennessee at home, we know that Knoxville is going to be rocking with how they've been playing lately. If, please, no more mustard bottles. Oh, or golf balls. Yeah, But it, if they can keep this close, that'll be huge. So with all that said, I, of course, have Georgia winning and Georgia covering the 20-point spread, because as I've said for, uh, since a few weeks ago, Georgia, until somebody proves me wrong. So I'm also going to take the over in 56, because I have made this prediction a couple times. I've been burnt by it, I think, each time. But... I think that Tennessee, again, with a healthy Hendon Hooker, is capable of putting up enough points to get that over to hit. I don't think that Georgia is super explosive offensively, but I think there will be just enough between both teams. What do you see?
1: So I'm taking Georgia as well, but I'm going to take the under here. Um, And I'm kind of going out on a limb and saying this. I can see Georgia, uh, first off, if Georgia's defense totally shuts out Tennessee, I think Georgia's just going to be pounding the crap out of the ball. It's just going to be a possession game. And Tennessee's just going to be on, you know, have their defense on the field for majority of the game. Um, if Tennessee's offense shows up like it has the past few weeks, notably against obviously Alabama and Kentucky, well, then I'm going to be wrong. But, <laughs> um, I, you know, my question here is, do we see JT Daniels return? You know he was a Heisman candidate going into the year, and that quickly fizzled out due to injury. But um, I, I just don't know if I if I see Georgia's offense popping off for that many. I think they're going to do everything they can to keep the ball out of Tennessee's hands and just possess that game. So I'm going Georgia with the under and
0: um, them covering. If I said that right. Yep. So you think they're going to win by more than twenty? Yes. All right. Now let's move to our fun game of the week, which is the FCS. Uh, I've actually I've noticed something with the FCS that is very similar to, I guess you could call it FBS. It really seems like there is one team and everybody else, and that one team is Sam Houston State. Now, comparatively to Georgia, it really doesn't seem like Sam Houston has really played that many, you know, world beaters based on what I've seen on their schedule. But we're not talking about them this week, largely because it doesn't seem like they're playing a world-beater. What we are going to talk about, though, is the renewed number two team, James Madison, traveling across the state of Virginia, west to east, to play William & Mary, who has recently cracked the top 25. They've looked pretty good as of late. They are a team that can put up points. JMU also, uh, notably, a team that can put up points. But I think this game is really interesting because JMU just recently approved a move to the Sun Belt. And as a result of that, the CAA has barred all JMU student-athletes from competing in CAA championships. So do you think that that has caused enough turmoil on JMU's campus that the Tribe could trip them up seeing as JMU is traveling? No. (laughs) No. So, so my logic behind that is is
1: that one for this year, you know, I guess, maybe the senior crop. um, They could be upset about that, however, where they're at right now they're going to make the playoffs which obviously FCS have have like a legit bracket system. Um, they're going to make the playoffs and I would imagine that that's their main priority also, I would think that they would be trying to come, you know kind of pound their chest a little bit and saying hey you know we just got a promotion even though it's kind of a short-term setback and I don't necessarily agree with how the, I guess it's the, the conference handled that, but um, you know, they should still be able to play for that this year. But anyway, that's not here or there. Um, I'm going JMU here um, as much as, you know, I want to go to the upset just because of the way FCS has, has run this year.
0: Um, but
1: going James Madison,
0: So I will say this, I have been vocal on this podcast before, but how I'm not really a fan of JMU largely because of, you know, just playing against them as a club team uh, in years past. But I will say this, screw the CAA and that decision. It's, it's the dumbest thing. You're just like, you're upset that they're leaving the conference, but in all honesty, the writing has been on the wall that something like this is going to, is going to happen. Just in general, but also ever since ODU, Old Dominion made the jump from FCS to FBS. Granted, Old Dominion hasn't been any good since they've done that, which you think would come out as like a cautionary tale. But at the same time, no one's going to take it as a cautionary tale because ODU is still printing more money than they were just by virtue of making that jump. So this was bound to happen. JMU right now, I think, makes the most sense to make that jump because of how good the football team has been and the Sun Belt is notably nicknamed the Fun Belt. I feel like JMU would be a perfect addition for the Fun Belt. So yeah, it's one of those. And I do apologize if anyone's hearing my stomach growl at the moment. I haven't had dinner. Oh my Um, gosh, man. Yeah, it's 10 o'clock at night. But um, you know, if if anything, I think that JMU is going to go one of two ways with this. They're either going to you know, be kind of irritated and frustrated and that's going to get in their heads and they'll end up getting tripped up because they're, you know, they were too worried about other things as opposed to William and Mary. William and Mary hasn't had that distraction or they're going to do this as a giant screw you to the CAA. And I think that one's more likely, especially because I know the general consensus of how people around JMU are. And I just, I know them to be a general screw you, we'll prove you wrong kind of campus. So I feel like that's going to translate perfectly to the football team. And my goodness, <laughs> I really need to eat.
1: Yeah, you should probably do that.
0: Oh, man. yeah. So um, on that note, I'll take JMU. I'm going to cut this off because, my God, this is terrible for the podcast. <laughs> hey,
1: man. It's raw live entertainment.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the usual. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm limping to the finish here, but we'll see you guys next time. Oh my goodness.